Let's move on. <laughs> that's right. We got to talk about that. Oh, for really sure. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the Jurassic Park franchise, more specifically the latest release, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And to do that, I am joined by Adam Barnard of the Screen Fever YouTube channel and the Home Experience Podcast. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to get to, to talk about Jurassic and talk about the new movie, which is just ripe for discussion because of how wild it is, honestly. Yeah, and I think that's probably something that was lacking in the marketing because they're selling it just like, oh, we're going back to the island, that kind of thing. And there's a lot more to it to, than that, uh, that, of course, we'll get into later on. Uh, but, I, you know, because even people that are fans of the franchise, I like as like myself, I was a little underwhelmed just with the trailers and everything, just, you know, expecting something more from it. Um, and it, it does yeah. deliver that whether that's what people want or not. That's another story. Right. Absolutely. I think what I've enjoyed about the two Jurassic World films so far is whether or not you really enjoy them they're worth discussing. It's not like Transformers where it's like the simple verdict where it's like, oh yeah, it's just loud and noisy or I don't like it. It's kind of like some people either love it or some people think it's just an abomination and they and it, they usually like it and dislike it for the same reasons. They just interpret it differently. So I, I can't even tell if like the last Jurassic World is a disaster or a masterpiece. <laughs> I'm still somewhere in between. I can't tell. Yeah, it depends on the mindset that you have going into it, I think. And this one has, of course, been pulling very similarly divisive reviews uh, that I've seen. I think it's a little more negative this time, but I mean, that yeah. could just be sheer the sheer reason that, you know, it's a sequel. That just kind of happens in general with diminishing returns uh, for sequels. But I mean, this franchise has dealt with... Um, you know, dealt with pretty heady themes from the beginning about playing with God and, uh, you know... Yeah. Uh, nature versus man and all that stuff and uh, evolution and all all of those things um just by you know the source material that they were working with so i guess to start out maybe we'll just delve into a little bit of our backgrounds with the jurassic park franchise as a whole like our personal experiences yeah or, yeah yeah sure sure so do you want to go first go ahead yeah yeah um i saw jurassic park um, or the whole first three Jurassic Park films through a friend when I was very young. I mean, this was like early 2000s, so I was seven, eight years old, but all three of the movies had had come out. You know, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and Jurassic Park 3. Um, strangely enough, what I remember the most and what I liked the most out of those movies was Jurassic Park 3. I know that's sacrilegious to say, but like that was the one that kind of stuck in my memory, and and I have the most fond memories of like curling up under a blanket in my friend's room while you know our parents are having dinner downstairs and just crapping our pants and like grabbing each other's arms like oh my god because it's just the last the third jurassic park is a straight up monster movie um and it has that kind of campy nature that captures your inner child um it, it really wasn't until recently um till the return of jurassic world and and jurassic world fallen kingdom and the franchise making a resurgence that i went back to the original and got a chance to as an adult really appreciate how brilliantly it's crafted yeah, I think that's uh, that's an interesting perspective to come into the film as an adult because 
<clears throat> for me, I was I was ten when the first movie came out, so I saw it in theaters. I think like opening weekend or soon thereafter. So I was kind of a part of this whole phenomenon from the beginning. And then when the Lost World came out, I read the two Michael Crichton books before that. And oh, you've read the books, like, yeah. like when they came out, or well, it's like before the movie. It was one of those right. kind of things, or right after one of those two. Um, but I got swept up in the whole phenomenon of it all. So coming to it as an adult for the first time, did you you know did you kind of see the films as sort of overhyped or did you, you know, want, especially the first one, I guess, did you come to it and be like, well, okay, it's fine, but let's not, let's not get all excited. Everybody. It's not Spielberg's best work or anything like that. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think I, I agree with you in that what you were saying, how I, I don't feel like it's his masterpiece. Like right. it's like, if you put this up against like saving private Ryan or, or um, even like Indiana Jones, it's just it's good. It, it, it's but it doesn't reach much. It reaches high as some of his other renowned works. It just happens to be a perfectly crafted monster movie with some intellectual debate put in. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. some people. Yeah. That's the one issue I see with the Jurassic franchise. People are so blindly in love with the first one. Like a lot of comments will be like, oh, my God, I hate what they've done with Jurassic World. Like they've turned into a B-movie franchise. I'm like, look, come on. The first one was the definition of a B-movie. It just happened to be one of the best B-movies ever made. But there's like this denial that somehow Jurassic Park was just like this intellectual think piece. And like, <laughs> it's not 2001, it, it, everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like this is not a Kubrick film. Like it's it, it's um, it, but it's. It just it self actualized what uh, it should be. You know, it was right. the best version of itself, and that's always how I judge movies. I say, what is this movie trying to do? And for the goals that it set, and for the kind of voice that's behind it, is it the best possible version of itself? And if I really believe it is, then I will give it a perfect score because I think that's the definition of of reaching perfection. You've reached your goals. You know, not everything has to be brilliantly intellectual and not everything has to be stupid dumb fun but you can have 10 out of 10s in both those camps yeah, you know absolutely no i 100% agree and i think the thing with jurassic park is that it like you were saying it strikes that balance of of uh, nailing popcorn entertainment but it doesn't feel disposable like it feels like it has something to say but then it you know <laughs> that throws in a, a chase scene where raptors are, are chasing little kids around a kitchen and then the john williams music and it's it's kind of crystallized uh, crystallized escapism entertainment in the way that yeah. in the way that for for you know the previous generation or whatever in the way that movies like Star Wars have that same kind of impact on people that are children when it you know when it's released or or the eighty nine Batman is another big one for me um, things like that so I think it, it's interesting now to see everybody looking back on uh, on the Jurassic franchise in the same way that they look back at Star Wars. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering whether or not Fallen Kingdom will have a little bit of Last Jedi effect because it does kind of go off the rails a little bit in the in the second half. Um, and, you know, the whole Last Jedi backlash has been kind of insane. So it'll be interesting to see if Jurassic, the Jurassic Park franchise kind of mirrors that a little bit. Certainly. And, like, I do want to double back and, and get your opinion on some of the other mm -hmm. movies. But now that we've brought up Fallen Kingdom, what what are your opinions on it? Like, if you had to distill it down to just a, a short 30-second uh, review. Um, well, I, I feel kind of mixed on the film overall. Uh, we should just, for the record, state the premise, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, basically, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt come back. 
and they're they get recruited into a mission to return to the island to save the dinosaurs from a long dormant volcano that has decided to erupt and which we've never heard about until now so that seems kind of like a little bit of a retcon that there's been this dormant volcano there the whole time i don't know i feel like they could have laid the track for that a little bit but that's not yeah. really spoilery that's in all the marketing uh and and it really doesn't give away much more than i guess the, maybe the not even the first half maybe the first act uh or so so um i i mean i have mixed feelings on the film i do feel like we differ on this, I know. I do feel like in the second half, it actually gets way more interesting for me. And the okay. first the first part of the film uh, feels very much like uh, like it's cribbing a lot from the previous four in the story elements and uh, in some of the villain decisions and, and some even some of the set pieces here and there. And I think in the second half, it, it feels like the franchise is finally letting itself grow beyond uh, the constraints of the previous films. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see where you're coming from. And like, I appreciate that opinion because it's different than what at least I'm seeing right now mm-hmm. is kind of like a general verdict from critics. You know, some of their general complaints are what you seem like you're taking away as, as progress and the more interesting elements within right. the franchise. So what about you? What, are, what about your sort of general thoughts? And then we'll just delve into full on spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked it. I really did. I have to give it a thumbs up. Um, with reservation because mm. the second act, the second half. I mean, that's we got to be careful what we use because like a second act usually just means the middle six right. minutes. In this case, I'm talking about the second half. It's like very much a midpoint. Yeah, yeah, midpoint to the basically to the end. It it is so it's so polarizing between awesome and terrible. Like, mm. like scene by scene, it's like they go down the right track and I'm like, yes, this is where I want to see the movie go. And then it just halts on the brakes and turns into a monster movie. And everyone's criticizing the writing, but like, I feel like I'm one of the only people who are saying, look, the directing isn't really that great either. Like this, if this is supposed to be a monster movie in the second half, I'm supposed to be scared. Mm. I'm supposed to feel stakes. I'm supposed to feel for these characters that hasn't properly been cultivated. Um, but then there are also some really cool scenes like the auction itself or the sticky uh, – I guess like, we haven't thrown up spoilers yet, have we? No, no. <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll make sure to just pull the throttle back a little bit. Um, there are some great sequences in the second act that are just, you know, get out of your seat and cheer. And then there are some where it's like this makes no goddamn sense. Like why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. I, I guess the auction is sort of in the uh, in the marketing. I haven't. I only really watched the first trailer. But uh, it's it's oh yeah heavily featured in the yeah, market. That was a big faux pas. Like they basically they showed. I mean, they didn't show some of the more spoilery moments or the, or the like dialogue spoiler reveals, which there mm-hmm. are some. But man, they took like if you broke the movie into five minute segments, they took a sh- they took shots from every single one of those segments, even from the last five minutes, even from the climax. Well, I mean, they literally the whole, left no stone unturned in the marketing, and the that whole just really Goldblum pisses thing me off. Is is basically the I mean a little bit in the beginning of the movie, but that whole Welcome to Jurassic World that's in all that's the last line of the movie. Yeah, literally like, the dude, last shot. Seriously, I know. Yeah, I, I hate that. And it was interesting because in Jurassic World, they uh, obviously spoilers here. They really didn't show much from the last thirty minutes. Like you had no idea there was going to be a T Rex and Indominus fight on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Like that was just purely 
and even the, a lot of the raptor chase, I mean, there are a couple shots that were used, but the, some of the more exciting parts were kept as a surprise. And it's like, and I even remember Colin Trevorrow, who directed the first one, saying he already thought that was too much. He was already unhappy with how the studio marketed it. And he said that publicly, which kind of surprised me. I'm thinking, how much more do the producers have to be pissed now that, that <laughs> they just showed everything? They literally didn't leave any stone unturned. Yeah, and I think that the T-Rex reveal in the last film was one of the best moments of the movie because, you know, everybody has such a strong connection to that character from yeah. the original movie sort of showing. So him kind of showing up to to be the hero, I think, uh, in a way, you know, got a great response from when I saw it in theaters uh, three years ago. But I think that's one thing about this, these Jurassic World movies that some some critics are kind of balking at is that the dinosaurs are no longer just monsters. It's like now we're rooting for the dinosaurs. <laughs> like uh, Blue is one of the, is like a full on hero of this film in yeah. a lot of ways, more so than the last one even. Yeah, and I mean like that's Jurassic is really one of the few or only franchises that does dinosaurs just in general as centerpieces of the movie. Um, I, I mean I can't think of another franchise that has that kind of centrality on animals and dinosaurs, like besides, apart from Planet of the Apes maybe, but that's mm -hmm. so different in tone. I mean like if take for example superhero movies, right? Superhero movies is a, a modern staple. There are so many Marvel properties and so many DC properties and and so many obscure DC properties like Watchmen. You just have whatever superhero movie you want to watch, you can find. If you want to go see dinosaurs done well, you Jurassic. Like that's your option. Pretty much. So I think the, when these movies come out, like they're the only movies that are fully utilizing technology and, and um, kind of like the modern blockbuster scape to tell these kinds of stories. That's not like a Roland Emmerich like 10,000 BC or super you know in the past period piece which those haven't worked out too well so it's kind of like i always think these movies are going to draw because they're really they have no competition they're the only ones in their class at the moment yeah the only the only major dinosaur centric franchise i'm thinking of is the land before time <laughs> right <laughs> and, and really the first one's the only one anybody remembers from that and it's a totally different genre but um but yeah no i mean and dinosaurs are one of those you know, it's something that fundamentally is just interesting to see. It's just everybody has like a fascination with these creatures. And so to see them brought into a modern context, it's like who wouldn't want to see that? Even if the films sometimes are, you know, hit or miss a little bit, it's like you right. still get something out of the experience that you, you like you said, you're never going to see anywhere else. So um, do we have any other general thoughts on the franchise or the previous movies before we just jump into spoilers? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to get your take on what you've thought of the other movies. Because I, I realize we jumped ahead. Like, for, say, Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, and Jurassic World, you know, leading up to Fallen Kingdom, we know what Fallen Kingdom's about. Mm -hmm. um, we, we know that we kind of, whether or not it's the best movie ever made, we revere the original and respect its achievement and, and ushering these kinds of dinosaur or monster movies into more realistic territory because i mean you look the t-rex attack on the on the two jeeps in the original movie like uh, that must have blown the the doors off the theater because in the past they've been really crappy stop motion and now yep. it's like it looks lifelike and this is the 90s like you know avatar hasn't been made yet like we're not used to this hyper realistic fantasy like that was just insane yeah and that was i think that first film really nails the balance of 
uh, animatronics with CG, where there's they use CG in that film, obviously, but it's mean. I think it, I think I've read somewhere years ago that it, it's like you know 15 minutes of CG. There's a lot of animatronics yeah. on the close-ups on the dinosaurs, which makes it feel even more tangible. And that's another thing that a lot of people criticize about the more recent ones is that it's obviously much more heavy on the CG and yeah. uh, kind of leaving practical effects, you know, uh, behind. Um, so I, okay, obviously, I really like the first one. Um, it's, you know, one of those milestone films of my childhood. Uh, I like the second one a lot. I think it gets a lot of, it gets unfairly maligned. Yeah. There are kind of ridiculous elements like the whole gymnastics scene and things like that. But (laughs) that, uh, that scene in the trailer with the T-Rex, um, uh, when they're, that's hanging off the cliff, I think is just a perfectly executed suspense, uh, sequence. Uh, with Julianne Moore on the glass. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. That's amazing. That whole scene is amazing. Uh, and um, so I, I think that I have a little bit of a soft spot for The Lost World, even though it's not my favorite. Uh, Jurassic Park 3, we mentioned this you know, before recording, um, it's, it, it's probably my least favorite of the bunch. Um, yeah. I haven't I revisited it in a long time, so seeing it now as a, a film critic with more experience under my belt and having seen way more movies might be an interesting experience just to see uh, if I connect to it a little bit better. Uh, I think my big my big problem with it at the time was that the focus wasn't really, the focus was on these, this family and these new characters that I didn't really care about. So I felt like every time they were on screen and it wasn't dinosaurs, it just felt like a missed oh, opportunity Oh, William H. Macy and yeah, Taylor yeah, yeah, that whole that, thing. And yeah. it's like, oh, they're, they're like estranged and, and they're looking for their son and they trick Alan Grant into going to the other island because they didn't realize that they were two islands with dinosaurs, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> So that all that story, that's the premise, kind of felt half baked to me. Um, yeah. So and and Jurassic World, I I did enjoy uh, quite a bit. I think it's probably the best sequel that the that they've had to the original, even though it does have, you know, too much uh, too much leaning too much too much leaning on the nostalgia where they just the Jeep and here's we finding all these yeah. props from the original film and but like the Force Awakens, uh, I think it it you know it's the J.J. Abrams' approach to Force Awakens was very much we need to take a step back to take a step forward. I think yeah. that Colin Trevorrow was kind of implementing a similar uh, approach to this franchise, which makes sense. And like Star Wars, I, you know, I was expecting Fallen Kingdom to push it past that, and I think it did. I just think it happens later in the film than I would have preferred. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's interesting that I, I've actually come to like what Jurassic World did more than The Force Awakens did. I know that's going to make me a very unpopular person on film Twitter or, you know, any online fan haven. But, like, it it, it doesn't... Force Awakens is very much, like, beat for beat a new hope, mm-hmm. almost directly. And maybe that's part of what George Lucas ordained with the hero's journey and, and channeling Joseph Campbell. But like what I liked about Jurassic World, even if the minutia, you know, even if Colin Trevorrow isn't as experienced of a director as JJ, so everything doesn't flow together as well. I like the direction that he took because it felt like and more of a step towards the new. You know, it took the Force Awakens approach yeah. of retelling a lot of the original, and yes, it did use a lot of nostalgia, but there's some stuff that we just haven't seen whatsoever, um, like with, with the Indominus Rex or with a fully functioning park. And, yeah, exactly. And with Force Awakens, it was trying to, like, go straight back to, like, recreate 
the feeling you got with Luke Skywalker, where this was just where Jurassic was just acknowledging the feeling you got with Jurassic Park, but moving it to a completely different chapter of a Jurassic saga. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and I think especially to the point of the fully functioning theme park, I mean, in the first film, there's literally no one else on that island, just the dinosaurs and a handful of people. Um, And I think that that sequence where all hell breaks loose in Jurassic World, the park itself, uh, I think is really, you know, kind of something fans probably wanted to see for about 20 years or so. Um, Yeah, took a while to get there. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, you know, it's it's good that they seemingly that the theme park element of it is sort of, uh, you know, not obviously not really featured in this film anymore because the park is closed. So, um, yeah, so let's just move into spoilers, I think, for Silent Kingdom. Ready to. So when the film starts out here, we have Claire working as, uh, I guess, sort of a dino rights activist kind of thing. More that, or less. That's, yeah. That sort of me already is kind of rang false. I, I don't know if I... Really? Yeah, a little bit. It seemed a little off. I'm like, wait, she's doing this now? This is what we're finding her? All right, I guess. I mean, yeah. did that did that feel like a natural extension of her character in the last film to you? Uh, yes, but I needed more of a bridge to get mm-hmm. there. Like... It's very clear in Jurassic World, despite a lot of controversy surrounding her character, that she's someone who looks at dinosaurs through the lens of paperwork and margins and behind a screen in her right. comfortable air-conditioned control center. The whole idea behind Owen, Chris Pratt's character, is he's the guy who's you know going face-to-face with dinosaurs in a dirty cage. and like He's the one who gets these animals, and she's the one who makes the shots, but she doesn't have a damn clue the dynamics of what she's doing and the consequence of what she's doing. Like she's the first person that if Ian Malcolm walked into Jurassic world, the fully functioning park, he would walk straight up to her and go, you are about to create a disaster. You know, he would, mm-hmm. he would just single her out and say, stop what you're doing. Cause this is insanity. Uh, it's taking the whole level of trying to control nature even higher and uh, a step up. And, and in Jurassic world, it, it's maybe it's not highlighted very well, but like, she gets thrust into a situation where she has to hold a dinosaur while it's dying mm-hmm. or, you know, she has yep. to face off with her, a creation that she authorized, which is the Indominus Rex. So even though the movie doesn't show us, you got to think like, this is going to haunt someone if they've really opened Pandora's box yeah. um, well, and, and, and nearly two- gotten killed by okay. Pandora's box. And nearly got her two nephews killed in yeah, the last one too. too. Yeah. Um, so it's to answer your question, it's it's logical, but it's such a big jump. Yeah, see, and that we was get my very problem. little exposition. It's like, oh, Claire, the environmentalist. If you saw this film, y- you wouldn't believe that she was the person from Jurassic World because she's just so natural in as this new character, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Owen's just kind of hanging out, building cabins, I guess. Right. <laughs> so it's retired from raptor wrangling. Um, there's uh, there's a great um, there's a reviewer named Movie Bob and when I, I went back oh, yeah. to watch his He's review great. for Jurassic World the first one the 2015 one and he called Owen like a set of Chuck Norris facts that fused together and became sentient. Nice. And I think that's like literally the best description of Pretty him because much. he's just like, he's like, he's a caricature and I kind of like it because it's so funny and it's Chris Pratt and he does it well. But like in either movie, there really isn't much besides what you see in terms of his character. Pretty much. Yeah. Those two characters are seem to, for me, they've always been sort of flat. So it's unfortunate yeah. that they, that we didn't have, we don't have more dynamic human leads in this franchise in this trilogy at least um but at least we have ian malcolm in here for like a minute of screen time split between the beginning and the end of the film uh what did you think about jeff goldblum showing up and then you know to jump to the very beginning of the film what did you think of that that opening um 
I guess, a oh, chase scene yeah, or something yeah, underwater. Was... I, th- um, I thought that opening was pretty great. I thought it, it felt a lot like the opening in the original film where the raptor right. is trying to break through the gate, or I think. Um, so... I think it's the most engaging because there's a plot element to it mm-hmm. of the beginning. Like they're trying to get the Indominus's bones. You know, it's it's not like a, a Mission Impossible sequence or something else where it's like just a sequence for the sake of a cool sequence. And then we get into the story. Right. Like the people who are getting this, the skeleton of the Indominus, it's going to heavily factor into the second half of the movie. And because of that, it, it blended both style and plot substance. I, I really do think it's probably the best intro of any of the jurassic films um yeah. the first 10 minutes i can see that because like you say it does pay off um you know throughout the plot of the film it reintroduces you to oh remember the indominus rex got eaten by that other giant i don't even know the name of the mosasaurus okay yeah. there you go the the that the mosasaurus and then pulled into like and that was the big like surprise at the end of the, the previous film when uh i think the t-rex <laughs> the raptor yeah. all kind of had their their you know their moments with the such a Dominus, and then he just took him out there and it and it kind of instantly like brings back that memory like oh yeah shit that's what happened and he got eaten right. by that guy and then dragged down there and there are his bones and look that giant dinosaur is still there warming around uh and gets a little bit of a snack in the beginning of this movie yeah. so yeah no i thought that was a really a really uh well done sequence and um you know right from the right from the offset you're already kind of intrigued or like whoa what are they doing why are they why do they want these bones what's happening you know and it frees the mosasaurus that's the other mm-hmm. thing like and that's not really a plot element like the, there's it's in one shot at the end like i was expecting it to do a tiny bit more once i got free but right. like again one of the things this movie does is it almost acts like more of a, a prologue to the next jurassic movie than mm-hmm. a story or movie in itself yeah like i i thought they were gonna go and make this movie feel a little more whole when um, I'm surprised at how much of a, of a um, trilogy they're trying to make this, that you have to keep watching, you know, like there are some trilogies, like say, for example, I would argue the original trilogy of star Wars. You can watch any one of the movies and turn it off and not have to watch the next one to feel fulfilled. Well, empire kind of leaves you hanging though. Well, uh, it's always that that middle chapter that leaves you there, I guess. I guess I didn't really feel that way with Empire. I felt like it kind of you. you I don't know. That's interesting that you say that. I just feel like this is even more mm-hmm. like it feels like a rest stop between the first and the third movie. Yeah. You know, the first movie feels like a full adventure, and the third movie is going to obviously go into some very different territory. And the middle movie is just like the connective tissue. It's yeah, not the bridge, its own. The bridge yeah, yeah, film the bridge, between yeah. the beginning and the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, for me, for me, it's a little that part of it's really a little frustrating because I almost would have preferred this film be about what it sets up the next film to be about. You know what I mean? And then condense some of this down to maybe a first act or something uh, or even a first half and then have it split halfway through. I don't know. I don't know how they would have structured that, really. Um, I tell you how I would have done it, but it would require a lot of revisionism. (laughs) Well, if you just if you just cut out Jurassic two and three. Like, if there's any way to do that and have Jurassic Park be the first movie, Jurassic World be the second movie, you know, 15 or 20 years later. Because, you know, like you said, we got tired of going back to the island. Mm-hmm. And, like, if, if Fallen Kingdom was the third movie instead of the fifth movie, we would be off the island before we even finished a, quote, trilogy of Jurassic right. films. Right now, you know, we're riding on 
at movie number five on the island. And yeah, like I, I know it's doing well internationally, but I wonder is like are U.S. crowds just gonna be? They're the most cynical of mm-hmm. the blockbuster crowds. So are just they just gonna think, look, this is another stupid adventure on the island. Like I don't want to, I don't want to pay another fifteen dollars to go see the same shit that I've seen in the last four movies. You know? Right. And there's a great, uh, there's a great video essay that I sent to you. Actually, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. Yeah, that not yet. I'll, Sorry. I'll link to in in this uh, post that uh, you know mentions that the big issue with these sequels is that in the first movie they you know they all come to the island oh it's a theme park full of dinosaurs all hell breaks loose and then yet every sequel has to like come up with some convoluted reason why we're going back to the island it's a yeah. rescue it's we're gonna the second one we're gonna go study them the third one is like deceived into going back the fourth one well it's okay we figured it out we, we opened the park everything's fine and then the fifth one it's like no we got to save them because now apparently there's a volcano it's just it's um yeah it becomes it's like just kind of running around in a in a circle just writing the same you know the same story beats or you know the same narrative thrust over and over we got to get to the island oh shit there's dinosaurs here we need to get away let's get off the island and that's been for last you know most of the most of the films thus far and of course there's wrinkles here and there but that's kind of been uh, that's kind of been you know what these films have been about dinosaurs sure, on an island yeah. the, you know and I, um it's it's good that this film seems like they're finally cutting that loose and letting the franchise um imagine a little more yeah i will say this about the first act which i was weirdly impressed with that i didn't really think it was going to coalesce so well there's basically a logical reason for everyone to go to the island and continue the story of jurassic world because when you watch the first movie it it does feel episodic i mean or or it feels like a standalone adventure you know it feels like a great action adventure flick that you don't want to revisit these characters or because the characters were kind of flat. So you think, okay, we're done. That's great. We'll have to go somewhere else for Jurassic Park five. What this movie does is interesting is, is it brings Claire back and you know, she needs to be at the Island because she basically has full authority to unlock all the security systems. And she cares about the dinosaurs. Yeah. And Owen's the only one who's imprinted on blue and the company needs blue, but they're masquerading as a rescue mission. And, and that all, um, it, it brings all the characters together um, in a way that's logical, like like uh, Zia, who's the paleo veterinarian, and Franklin, who's the IT guy. Like it, the movie didn't treat its audience as stupid as, as I think audiences are reacting. Like it really mm-hmm. said, look, these people have a reason to go. Um, there's a reason to continue this Jurassic World story that's not just a cash grab, if that makes sense. Like. That's how I feel, at least. I don't know if everyone else. Yeah, does. <laughs> and I and I think you know you just, you mentioned this earlier that Claire has a really sort of a sense of responsibility and guilt for the role that she played in what happened in the last one, that she feels like, all right, well, I need to go there and I need to make this right and I need to save these creatures, sure. you know, and you know have them in a safe environment, and it's interesting that you know in the last film i feel like a lot of people either loved or hated the uh, the fact that chris pratt was riding a motorcycle with a bunch of uh, raptors through the jungle <laughs> and that he had kind of domesticated them sort of for all intents and purposes and that's you know his m- motorcycle ride is referenced in this movie in kind of a throwaway line which i thought was kind that's of funny so funny i just got the biggest laugh from the movie <laughs> i thought that was fantastic yeah and then i think franklin was like we're not compatible after yeah. that. that that was pretty great um and I, I think it's interesting that in this film, the so much of the emotional uh, connection is really about Owen's connection with Blue. And 
Uh, yeah. I thought it was really sweet. Some of the, you know, flashback, like the videos that we get to see of him raising her when she's little. And then like the way he, the way she reacts and demonstrating empathy and things like that. I thought that was an interesting take to, you know, to really try and humanize one of the dinosaurs in a way for the, for the first time in the franchise. Yeah. That sequence is probably one of my favorites. Like I always wanted them to go a bit deeper with the animals. I mean, mm-hmm. because you know, Owen is a walking set of Chuck Norris facts. <laughs> if he's not going to be dynamic himself, he has to participate in dynamic interactions. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, we have to totally. access something that's emotionally dynamic through him. And in this case, in both movies, I would argue his relationship and perspective of how to deal with Blue and, and kind of making a dinosaur seem more human than I've seen any dinosaur in the franchise get. Like mm-hmm. I got like really emotional when i saw that scene like it's a video recording of him with a babe with the baby raptors but like when he does the demonstration where um with one of the other raptors he shows vulnerability and lies down and the raptor attacks him and then when he does that with blue blue comes up and nuzzles him and like wants to see if he's okay and that also serves as like a plant for later on and and understanding more about their relationship and it's like that's what i wanted from the sequel i wanted depth you know and that there's one complaint with complaint with this is that in the second half it's just a monster movie and i know you like that but it's like if i want to see the perfect monster movie i'm going to go back and watch jurassic park one thing that i know so the filmmakers promised was that they were going to try to go a bit deeper with the themes and in some places they did like with the stuff with blue um and some of the stuff with lockwood and then in other places it's just like yeah let's have dinosaurs eating people for 20 minutes mm-hmm. it's like I mean, I've already seen this. Like, I, I, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Go for it. That's that was fine. Um, what do you think about the, how the dinosaurs are cultivated as characters? Like, did that work for you? Was that getting where it needed to go? I think so, for the most part. Um, I think in this film, like like many of the previous ones, the dinosaurs sort of vacillate back and forth between we're supposed to, you know, wondrous creatures and and like bloodthirsty uh beasts and uh i think that you know the first half of the film i think the some of the imagery there and i even saw a review that i think it was actually on monkeysfightingrobots.com that uh mentioned that really powerful shot with the i think it's a brachiosaurus in the yeah, smoke with the fire God. that was that was really that was a, probably one of the most powerful images from this franchise that sort of um captures the tragedy in the fact that we brought these creatures back only for them to die again. Uh, and I thought that, it, I thought that it, you know, the dinosaurs mostly are, they mostly are a walking metaphor for animal rights and for, yeah. uh, you know, genetic experimentation and that kind of thing. And I think really blue is probably the only one that we've ever had as a real character. I mean, we've, you know, a lot of times yeah. the raptors have kind of been just interchangeable uh, and they're just well, like Jurassic the Park three. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. completely generic raptor squad, essentially. Right, exactly. So other than Blue, now the only other character that you'd be like, oh, I recognize this person is the T Rex that yeah. again shows up to punctuate a scene, basically. Uh, right. Well, I, I'll it. say this: I think both genetic hybrids have characters in that sense, where it's kind of like the Indominus Rex from Jurassic World is is kind of like it's sick in the head like it's demented mm. but it's also naive like it doesn't understand its environment because it's essentially still a baby you know right. it's it's young in its life and it's 
not quite fully there. It's meant to be a Frank Frankenstein's monster. You know, it's yeah. meant to be an atrocity. That's that's a spectator sport is what it's becoming. It's like putting the biggest, ugliest animal in a coliseum and letting it fight a gladiator. With the Indoraptor, it's bred for a purpose. Um, and and like I, this is in the second half, but like the Indominus, sorry, the Indoraptor is like purposely screws with people mm-hmm. like it's 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 evil it wants to tear you apart for fun you know the indominus was like uh, basically a highly destructive baby yeah like just <laughs> you get, know, it, like get a, everything out of its way yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah exactly and the indoraptor is more calculated like it knows right. this is we're jumping into a second half spoiler but it knows yeah, okay. to fake that it's been tranquilized like the indominus I guess the Indominus did kind of the same thing. Whatever. There goes my point. But you get what I'm saying. Like, there yeah. are – it's not just – The first one – yeah, flat. The, the yeah. first one had the Indominus Rex, as you mentioned, was sort of Frankenstein-esque in that not only was it a hybrid, but sort of new to the world, just trying to find its way and doing damage mostly by accident or just to survive. Whereas the yeah. Indoraptor is uh, probably the epitome of, in these films thus far – the dinosaurs being weaponized, so it's almost more like a like a T one thousand with teeth in this film yeah. than anything else. <laughs> where to the point example. that they even have it to the point that they even have it trained, where they set a laser and then they send this sa- signal, uh, an acoustic signal, and then this just yeah. charges. Um, you know. It's, so what it's did just... you think of the what did you think of the Indoraptor and kind of what they because this is a development of the whole militarized or or exploit exploitation of dinosaurs that's cultivated in the first one that you know debuted to a very mixed response so how did this specific iteration of that story um resonate or sit with you uh in in some ways it felt like a little bit of a retread to the indominus rex again because we're going back to the hybrid things uh dinosaurs but I, I mean i think there was kind of no way of getting around that at this point you you had uh, Dr. Henry Wu, who B.D. Wong returning for this one. You had that lingering thread from the last film where he basically took his research and took off. And mm-hmm. uh, you needed a reason for them to need blue. And so getting that raptor DNA uh, so that they could uh, imprint that onto the interraptor and, you know, um, get that, you know, get the, the those distinct genetic traits that are specific to the raptors. Yeah. I think that makes sense. So uh, you know, if they if they bring back more hybrid dinosaurs in the next one, then I might be like, all right, that's it. You, you know, well, they they discontinue them. Yeah. Colin Trevorrow said they're done after this that's one good. with hybrids, so that's this is kind of the end of that arc. Yeah, I um, hadn't heard that. See that that's okay. Then I'm now I'm more okay with it than I was a minute ago. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it what, works in this. You need something. Uh, you need so, uh, a dinosaur to. I guess make all the other dinosaurs look tame and by comparison you need and you need something that since so many of the other animals in this film are supposed to be you know we're supposed to empathize for them you you need a character that you just want just really you you know just needs to be taken out that you're like there's no saving this thing it shouldn't have even existed to begin with certainly yeah and and something speaking of the indominus versus the indoraptor something i liked about this movie, which I haven't seen talked about much, is that it purposely mirrors several beats from the first movie, but in a different context. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, in the beginning of the movie, or in the beginning of Jurassic World, Claire goes to visit uh, visit Owen to help uh, inspect the Indominus paddock. And, you know, she drives up in her nice car, and he's fixing his motorbike. And in, and in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, 
she has to go to him to get help on the island and, and you know he's building like a cabin and she drives up in her fancy car it's the same thing but it's like it's in a completely different context right. at the very end of fallen kingdom we have you know blue come up to owen and they have to part ways just like they did in the first movie so i, I don't think it was like a uh, unconscious retread like i think they purposely came back and mirrored those beats in in a different setting um to, to kind of show the progression of the story maybe you know what i'm saying yeah like, to show how much especially like claire specifically has changed maybe yeah. yeah 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 exactly um she doesn't really run around in high heels very much in this one so that should make people all very happy because that was the whole big thing last time on film twitter at least Right. Well, she's she's grown. This movie, I really got to give credit for making even pretty simple characters have more dynamics or emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like this time, even if the characters were were pretty, you know, one dimensional or two dimensional, like they were just performed so much better. You know, the, the um, comedic timing or the interplay between the two of them like felt more relatable like i just feel like owen and claire like that millennial couple that like you want to hang out with at a barbecue you know because they're both like really cool and you know Mm -hmm. he's he's super charming and fun to be around and she's super smart and driven but it's kind of learning not to take herself too seriously and like there's a great line when they're in jail in lockwood manor and and being detained and uh eli mills or rape or uh not rave spall yeah rave yeah, spall's character um he's like you're the mother and father of the new era and i was like oh he's kind of right i didn't think about that mm-hmm. yeah so the first one the first half as you know has a lot of uh it you even mentioned this before it's it is sort of lost world inspired in a lot of ways yeah it's okay there's this mission you know it's gonna be perfectly safe we just need to find the dinosaurs and then get them off it's all good uh, you know, do not engage. I'm sure everything will go fine. <laughs> and then, of yeah. course, it doesn't. Um, and they, I think, in that half, that's also where they do. There's another gyrosphere uh, sequence in there. Yes, yeah. There's uh, I'm trying to remember the big set pieces in the first half. There's a lava. The one where Chris Pratt. Is oh, that trained. was funny. I thought that yeah. was good. I liked that. I thought that was a, that, a funny bit of uh, physical comedy from Pratt. That stressed me out. Like I was tense when I was watching that. I mean, you know he's going to be okay, but of course. Bayona's pretty good at suspense and kind of cultivating. You know, you you achieve, a, you plant a risk, and you give the character some kind of impediment to overcome. You know, either he can't run fast enough or he's tranquilized. And mm-hmm. and like for example, in the first trailer, you know, the very first teaser that came out, it's Chris Pratt busting out of the woods like running like a lunatic, oh, and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't play right. In the trailer, it's like everyone was making fun of how he can't run or how he looks like an idiot. And and I thought so, too. I'm like, God, that's terrible acting. And then when you see the movie, it's like, oh, it's because he's still half tranquilized. Like He doesn't have full control right. of his limbs or his speech patterns, which was something that I thought was interesting that the movie um, gave a reason for, for Chris Pratt to struggle in a situation he would usually take on with ease. Right, yeah. And the other thing is, too, you have James Cromwell as Benjamin Lockwood, who seems obviously supposed to be very Hammond-esque. And you have to imagine if Richard Attenborough was still around, he would probably have been in this film instead. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, there's a there's a lot of, I mean, it's also that, that um, deception and that sort of double cross that happens on the island. I mean, that's see, it's very it's very predictable. And that's my other thing with it, because we've seen this kind of thing before. We've yeah. seen the, uh, you know, the the kind of weaselly well he doesn't come across that as first but the weaselly suit 
that's you know ropes them in and then you know it ends up having his own agenda and that kind of thing i think that's part of why the first half of this didn't 100 percent land for me uh yeah like it was fun but it's also like it's felt overly familiar and then once that's all over and they kind of hitch a ride uh you know take one of the trucks and barely make it off the island onto the back of the boat um that's when it basically becomes as i think trevaro and bayona have said a kind of a haunted house movie and that there's just dinosaurs running around the mansion and on that Certainly. on that estate and i think it's interesting because at that point like franklin and zia are there but not really it becomes much more about uh crap what was the character's name the little girl whose name i'm Maisie. oh Maisie. Maisie. Yeah. who yeah. that's a and that actress hasn't been in anything i thought she was really good in this film it's her debut role she's gonna be a star like yeah. she has so much um i don't know if it's like charisma but she has such like a you feel so empathetic for her Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, there's there's such like a she's so like human and and real in her emotions. Like, it reminds me a bit of like how I felt when I first saw Millie Bobby Brown in Stranger Things, oh, yeah. where it's like, holy crap! Like this person, you know, brings a character to life that could just be obnoxious, but mm-hmm. like you feel for them. And it, I mean, Millie Bobby Brown is also, I never even realized how similar that arc was, where they're both like being experimented on. Yeah. Um. Um. And and kind of used by nefarious uh government or, or private interests um so, so what did you think of Maisie not just the performance but like of the character and her role in the narrative for the most part uh I mean I think and the, the actress's name is Isabella Sermon I looked at yes it, so yes. just make sure we say give give her a shout out um I think you know for the most part I liked what they were doing with her and just having her sort of um while all this crazy stuff was happening on the islands her she's had her own little like detective story going on where she's trying to find out what's going what eli is up to and and uh reporting it back to her grandfather and that and then of course not being believed and the big mystery with the picture in the in his book there yeah um so i thought for the most part I, i was really invested in in her sort of i guess subplot um and i think a lot of that had to do with the performance too and yeah you know um, it's the thing what happened, what, what goes on with her, the big reveal with her story later was, I don't, I didn't feel like that. I don't know. That felt sort of out, of out of nowhere to me. And I felt like one plot wrinkle too much. So is she basically supposed to be a clone? Is that what this is? Or, or cause yeah, he, re- he reconstructed. He, yeah. I, first time around, it is a bit confusing. He, his Lockwood's daughter died in a car crash right. and he must have preserved some of her DNA and researched and tried a way to clone her essentially. So she is, that's why in the beginning, like sometimes the foreshadowing is so fucking heavy handed. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the language. Like that's it's one thing good. where I'm like, Oh, like it basically like what's, what's the the nanny or not the nanny, whatever the, the older caretaker lady, Iris, yeah, caretaker, yeah. who's who's raising Maisie. She's like, you're a spitting image of your mother. It's like, oh, get it? Because it's literal. She's mm. literally the same. And so some of that was a little too. They're showing their cards early. Um, maybe maybe people. I read the spoiler before I went in, so maybe if you didn't have context and didn't know she was a clone, you wouldn't roll your eyes in the back of your head because of that line. Mm-hmm. Because it would have just it would have seemed adorable and sweet. But yeah, she is a a a kind of a way to preserve Lockwood memories of his own daughter and breaches some very serious ethic and ethics and mm-hmm, um, sure. scientific boundaries that like more so than recreating dinosaurs. Like when you start. 
recreating humans um, or reviving humans. Um, it's just kind of messed up. I don't know. And like, yeah. I liked, I liked that plot element. I didn't like the reveal. That's another issue I had where I think it's not just the writing, it's the directing. I mean, they're in a hallway and, and it's just nonchalantly dropped that she's a clone and there's no reaction shots. There's no, you just turn. I mean, literally after Eli says she's a clone, a dinosaur comes and plows through the hallway and that's the last anyone addresses that arc verbal. Exactly. It's like That's why I was like, wait, uh, wait, she's a clone of the daughter, or she's the, clo- yeah, she's the daughter's just, clone. I yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it was. It felt very unclear in that moment. And then, I mean, you realize you you understand she's some sort of clone, but it's not yeah well defined or conveyed particularly well. It does give you that great payoff moment when she's actually the one that hits the button and releases the dinosaurs. I like that. You, I mean, that moment felt right you yeah. know, in the context. Like, well, I mean, you know that there's going to be another movie, so you know they're not going to kill every single dinosaur. I mean, it, presumably they could just rebuild them again because they have yeah. the you know the research, the DNA, and, and uh, Dr. Wu still running around. So, you know, but I think that did... Um, yeah, that did feel like a very satisfying moment, even if the reveal of her true nature didn't really didn't really work for me. Um, but I, I feel like she, she's going to be back. Funny. Like she has to play a big I part. I hope so. I just can't see them leaving that, just dropping that like a hot potato. I mean, it's it, again like that's what I'm saying. Like the second half wanted to be like intellectual, and there were some great scenes. Like there's a scene between Doctor Wu and Eli where they're kind of fighting over. Wu is the scientist who's who's in it for a a uh, wants to progress genetics kind of like for the good of everyone. Like I don't think he's a villain. Like I think mm-hmm. he sees his work as like an art, and Eli sees his work as a business. And there's a debate over that. Yeah. There's a debate between the auction. Like that's there's no reason why you can't have a monster movie where the plot is the focus. Where I get pissed is like when we drop you know a great moment where it's like a confrontation it's like she's a clone you're expecting to feel the fallout and as soon as they say that some that you know bayona flips a switch and now we're back into a monster movie for 10 minutes that has no dialogue or plot centric elements it's like pick what you want to do like i really i I actually feel like i'm gonna have to like i saw the movie twice and the second time i liked it less because those moments were even more jarring like i gotta i'm being negative now but like the first half to me is near flawless like I just gotta say, I didn't say that earlier. Like I, I yes, it's campy. Yes, it's generic. I don't care. It's just perfectly executed and stitched mm. together for what it's trying to be. Like the Owen and Claire stuff is fun. They feel like better characters. There's great scenes where like the motorcade drives into Jurassic World and the theme plays and like Owen and Claire share a look at each other and you, f- you know, like it's like whoa, that's really cool. Like you feel that these are people and then the the a lot of the first half has like an Indiana Jones vibe like a lot of Raiders of the Lost Ark with like the truck and all these these swashbuckling mm-hmm. um, action choreography and then so that was just like I was just glowing for the first half and then the second half comes and again it's a mix between this is awesome and this is a disaster do you think that that it had the uh, had the switch happened earlier in the film, and then maybe that second half had more room to breathe. Do you think that they maybe you, it would have worked better for you? Was it the fact that they had to compress basically two movies into one? If they had, if the island stuff, for example, was just the first yeah. half hour, and then the rest of it was on Lockwood Estate, and they had more time to develop the the characters the situations and not feel like they have to be like boom 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 and now we're here and now we're here and now we're here do you think that would have been more uh more satisfying on your end 
Probably not because there is a. I believe that the decision um, that what my complaints root from a decision to say we're gonna make like a monster jump scare movie, right? And, and that I just don't support that. I think that's wrong. Like I liked the auction. I liked. I would have liked to see more of the bad guys. Some of the reason people probably get have complaints is because we just didn't see them for enough to develop them in some of these situations. Like. I wanted more plot-driven scares. Like one thing about Jurassic World is that all all the elements, you know, all the chase scenes, they happen for a reason. Where a character's trying to, you know, like Claire is trying to save her nephews, or there's mm-hmm. a reason behind all of the set pieces being moved. The motivations around. are clear. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Hoskins wants to, you know, sees an opportunity to use the Raptors, and you know, Vincent D'Onofrio's character. This time, it's like, oh, she's a clone. Now let's have a twenty-minute chasing that mm. i guess is fun but you know I, I just feel like they should have really just gone all in in terms of trying to develop the auction develop the villains and make this feel a little more believable and, and a little more of an examination about the significance of what they're doing and the the uh the fact that they're opening pandora's box for a second time right right yeah i, I mean i also think the villains are are a weak point i mean rafe spall is a great actor but i mean he's He's got a cookie cutter character here, uh, and not a whole lot to work with. And uh, as you mentioned, Henry Wu is not really a villain, but he's sort of on the villainous side, and um, he's really kind of underutilized here as well. I feel like he was even in—he was actually in Jurassic World even more, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. I he was barely like, in I was this. in like two scenes, maybe. Yeah, I was like gonna say I love Wu, and he was one of the most dynamic characters in Fallen Kingdom, and he was only in there for all of five yeah, minutes, yeah. Or three minutes. Like if we, he should have doubled his screen presence. It would have given more dynamics to what's being accomplished or what what um, what's happening in the kind of the seedy basement of Lockwood Manor. Yeah, and um, it's interesting that this film has both B.D. Wong and Jeff Goldblum, both from the original film, both in it for like a minute or so. Uh, just yeah. to give it, you know, just I guess to legitimize the movie and be like, see, we are still still part of the same continuity. Look, you recognize these people. I actually, I gotta say, jump in and say I did like Goldblum's appearance. Um, maybe it's because I got an early warning that he wasn't going to be a main character in the movie, that he just had a cameo. But it's like, I felt like he was a logical character to bring in at the time. Like, mm-hmm. there is a debate about the dinosaurs and there's no greater expert than the guy who uh the chaos theory guy who has the personal experience and has been up close with dinosaurs and been in danger and and uh you know his words carry merit within the fictional universe of jurassic and that's something where sure let's hear what he has to say and other reason why i'm okay with a very limited appearance here um that that serves the theme more than being an active dynamic character is the fact that i'm almost positive they're going to bring him back for a bigger role in the third one right um i I think they're going to bring a couple uh new characters i mean sorry classic characters back for the the last episode and like Again, there goes there's like the other complaint. This is just set up. Like I was okay with it because I know it's it's just a kind of a teaser for what's to come. Right. Yeah. I mean I, I love Jeff Goldblum's um appearance here. I just, you know, I always want more of Ian Malcolm whenever he shows yeah. up. And it makes sense to for him to be there considering the way that this film ends, especially. Um, since he is the character from the very first beginning of the first movie, being like, I don't know, guys, this seems like a terrible idea. We probably shouldn't do this. And here we go five, you know, four movies later and 
what he said would happen has happened. And he, in that way, he's always sort of been the audience surrogate, just being like, oh, like in the in the Lost World, he's like, ooh, ah, that's how it starts. <laughs> then is running and screaming. And right. uh, so it was great to, for them to kind of thread that connective tissue in here um, with him and B.D. Wong. And so, yeah, I hope I hope that Ian Malcolm uh, will be back in this in the next one. And it makes sense, like to your point, that he wouldn't appear in here very much because there's no way you're getting him on an island anymore with dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. He got tricked into that twice. Uh, but now that the dinosaurs are loose, who who knows how how they're going to cross paths, I guess. And so um we- would you say the would you say the ending of this left you excited for Jurassic World three or ambivalent about it? No, it left me excited. I mean, I, I've seen okay. a lot of critics. I even saw one today on Twitter being like, "Oh, I'm I'm still angry about the ending of Fallen Kingdom." I'm like, "Why? D- yeah. Don't you want something like different? Do you want another park? I don't understand." Um, so, you know, I I just it just felt like it took a long time to get to that point, and I guess that was what more frustrated me. Um, so I, I can understand that. And with um, your point to the the uh, the monster movie half of the film, some of it did get a little convoluted. Like she's running away from the dinosaur, and so she decides to run into her bedroom to hide under the covers. So that basically just so we could have that shot of the claw coming over the bedroom. Yeah, that seemed just unre- unrealistic. I mean, and the whole movie is kind of unrealistic in a way, but implausible and kind of one of those dumb uh, horror movie things where you're like, you know. The call's coming from inside the house, so you go upstairs to the most secluded room in your house. It felt like that kind yeah. of thing. I yeah, I I don't know. I kind of again, I have such mixed feelings about this, especially now that I've seen it twice. I just I, I like I, I like so well directed. Wait, I was gonna ask, do you do like ratings? Do you ever rate the movies at the end, or can yeah. we do that, or is that yeah, yeah like, we could totally do that? Uh, I don't know if you've distilled it down to a number yet, but uh, more or less. Um, okay. Yeah. I just, before we get to that, I just want to I, I do want to point out that in the second half there were there was more of the I guess kind of campier tongue in cheek moments. Like I I did enjoy Blue's sort of jump away from the fire. Like that. Almost, yeah, it was, it was cool. almost like a yeah, slow motion, like you see in like a, a Schwarzenegger movie or something. Like ah, jumping yeah. away. That was fun. And the the uh, Indoraptors kind of. Uh, almost winking at the camera at that one point in the, in the cage there. I thought that was, it was messing with him with his tail. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, that was, and then he's like smiles almost, almost looks like he's smiling in that one scene just before he attacks Ted Levine. I thought that was that, that kind of stuff was really fun. Um, yeah, because your alliance in, in this, in this movie, but in general with these films, uh, it kind of shifts back and forth between, okay, I'm on the human side. Now I'm on the dinosaur side. Now I'm on the human side. And I thought that was, they, they, Bayona played with that really well in this film, um, especially, you know, having Blue basically be a fully formed character in a way. Yeah, no, totally. I think that's... Yeah, the wing, everyone kind of, like, gets mad that it looks like a smile. I'm like, basically, it's like, it's just opening its mouth to, like, growl or right. salivate. Like, I don't think it was... People made it sound like it, you know, did, like, a Deadpool fourth wall break. It's like, come on. Like, it was it not was a little, It was a little more like, subtle than that, but yeah. Yeah. Like, but it was still... You I mean, you're, you know you're watching a Jurassic Park movie. You know this guy's a villain. You know he's in a cage with a dinosaur. You know he's going to get attacked, so you might as well have a yeah. little fun with it. So Certainly. I thought that was... Uh, I thought that was uh, an interesting way to play that, to say totally. the least. So do we... Ready to... You want to wrap it up and get to... Yeah, yeah. I, um... Normally I do on a scale of one to five stars, like around there. Um, okay. So where did this uh, where did this end up for you? And I guess within the context of the franchise. Ooh, um, I'd say 
three and a half out of five, probably. Yeah. Uh, it used to be four out of five, and I saw it a second time, and it's like the the issues are too big for me to ignore. Like, I really like the filmmakers involved, and I like Jurassic World, and like, you know, I want. I like the idea of Jurassic Park franchise, even though it's an unnecessary franchise. It's what I'm going to keep seeing, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just—it's so much fun and it's interesting. And even when it's dumb, it's interesting. Like even in Jurassic Park three, but yeah, the, the second half really could have used some big rewrites and could have used kind of like a different set of uh, goals. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just to scare, like. Some of the best uh, horror filmmakers or stuff know that there has to be more stakes than just the scares. And Bayona or even Trevorrow and Connolly and the writers didn't, you know, get their ducks in a row before they shot this thing as to how um, how they were going to cultivate that audience involvement and also the fear. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not aging so well. I don't know if it'll fall further on my list. I would probably, um, in terms of ranking, I'd do like. Jurassic Park first. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Jurassic World <laughs> second. And then fall. basically both Jurassic Worlds are tied for second and third. So okay. Park, both worlds pretty much tied. And then pretty close behind Jurassic Park 3. And then Lost World is way down the list. I didn't like Lost World at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're actually pretty close in uh in our ranking and our rating i i'm probably about a 3.5 it's interesting because you and i had sort of similar reactions to the film but just inverted like i enjoyed the second half more (laughs) but i had and i had problems with the first half and then you loved the first half and then had issues with the second half mostly but i i we ended up about in the same place i i am probably about a 3.5 and also jurassic park jurassic world and then it's I actually like Lost World, not that I don't I have to see this. Wait, so again. For, for Jurassic World, are you saying the first Jurassic World is yeah. second or Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the original Jurassic Park, the first Jurassic World. Um, and then I'd have to see this again to see if, whether sure. I prefer this or Lost World. But it's one of those and then Jurassic Park three at the bottom. But like I said, it's been forever since I've seen that. So it's yeah. it's unfair to kind of rank it with the rest of them in, in that way. Um, but yeah, so that's oh. That's where I landed with this. I still think people should see it, especially if they're fans yeah. of the franchise. I think there's there's a lot of fun moments to it, even though it kind of doesn't all work. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's enjoyable, even if it's not as masterfully stitched together as it should be. And and one thing I want to say, you know, if anyone's, anyone's still listening to us now, is like I'm really surprised at the kind of critical reaction about how – weirdly angry or or unhappy so many are Mm -hmm. i kind of have a feeling that it's from like pent-up irritation with jurassic world like when jurassic world came out it got a pretty good tomato rating got a great audience score got a great cinema score you know no no movie gets to almost 1.7 billion worldwide unless it's actually good or people want to see it and right you know it had a good multiplier which means people kept coming back for you know second rounds third rounds they recommend it for their friends and afterwards everyone you know by the end of the year people were trying to paint it as a critical failure saying everyone hated it yeah you know no one will be back for the second one all these kind of like video essays about claire's high heels pop up and like <laughs> yeah. And then, like, there's a whole thing with Trevorrow, which got everyone frothing at the mouth even more for no real discernible reason besides he's made a mediocre movie or two. And, like, there, there's just such anger in, in going in 
Um, and I, you know, the top critics, I wouldn't apply this to like the guys who write for the big publications and a lot of them gave negative reviews, which I was surprised, but like the kind of mid tier critics who do a lot of online publications, uh, you know, every month they would be, you're, you know, tweeting about how much they hate Jurassic world. So if you go into this movie, I can't expect them to have an objective, uh, analysis because they're going in ready to get angry because yep. they hated the last one. They hate the writing and they hate Bryce Dallas Howard's character. And like, I just, even if you don't like this movie, like I just don't see a reason to get angry about it. Cause like it's so, even the bad parts are so weirdly innocuous. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and, and it's, I've, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of reviews yeah. as well. And I've heard a lot of negative critical, you know, uh, derision aimed at Jurassic world. And I don't, I mean, I, I thought it was relatively, you know, harmless. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, it, it retreads some of the previous, you know, the original film and that kind of thing. But it's like, you know, it like Force Awakens, like Creed, 2015 was sort of the year of that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's, that it was intended, it's kind of an, uh, a revival film more than it is really a sequel in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, the people just got hung up on the most ridiculous things. Uh, is is the idea of sort of weaponizing and like military training the raptors a little goofy? Yeah, so all of it's goofy. A train park, uh, a theme park of dinosaurs is goofy, <laughs> and it's like the whole thing. It, that's and that's why you know, kind of the some of the goofier elements of the second half of this film I enjoyed so much because it's sure. recognizing that this whole, this is all ridiculous. So let's just roll with it, you know. Right. And I think that sometimes that's when Jurassic Park is. At its strongest, uh, you know. Of course, with intermittent, like you know, poignant moments like the the brachiosaur, and then like yeah. you know, the end, which has a lot of impact, especially since Goldblum is delivering that voiceover at the end. Um, but yeah, the people harping on the the high heels thing, which I was like, okay, so there's a lot of things in movies that don't make sense. Why are you guys have such a hard on for that particular one? I don't understand. And then, or the scene with the the nanny, the babysitter of the kids getting like attacked and and uh, you know taken, I think, from dinosaur to dinosaur and kind of drowned and stuff. People yeah. were talking about how that was like, oh, there a movie punishes her because she's on the phone a lot, and I'm like, what? Are we? I don't. I didn't take that as a scene we were supposed. to... A lot of people saying like, "Oh, we're supposed to like revel in the fact that like, good she got what's coming to her." I didn't see it that no, way at all. No. I don't know. People are misreading these sequences. This is I've heard this several places before. I'm like, yeah. what the hell, people? It's, it's supposed to be horrific. You're not supposed well, to. Be yeah, like, it's like it raises. Good. It raises the stakes for the kids, right? Like, right. you know, it's like someone they know is is brutalized before their eyes, and like she was trying to save them. Like that's something that makes the danger all the more terrifying and real and yeah i mean sure it's a little over the top but like the kind of accusations or people the things they've said it's just really weird i don't know what the film did got put like sand in people's panties or something like they got really mad about it yeah i know i think part of it could be um and not to bring up star wars yet again but part of it could be because the first film is held on such a pedestal that they're yeah. like, what? This is not the Jurassic Park I grew up with. I'm like, well, of course it's not. It's a different film. It's different vision. It's trying to take elements of that and bring it into you know today and uh, yeah. infuse some new ideas to it. And some of those are not going to work for you, but some of the, you know don't like write it off whole cloth because it's not it's not the 1993 one. If you want to watch that, it's out there. Go watch it. Don't don't bitch yeah. about how this one isn't you know exactly uh, living up to that standard. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad movie just because of that. Well, just quickly to bring up before the end, like yeah. with The Last Jedi, there's in, in a different sense than Jurassic World, there's like all these complaints about female characters. Like 
like in Jurassic World, they're like, oh, they were too mean to the female characters or too sexist. And that crowd gets all riled up, like the feminist mm-hmm. crowd. And for Last Jedi, like the super conservative, like meninist crowd gets all riled up. Like, oh my God, lady, lesbian with purple hair, super competent, and all the men are jerks. And, you know, like all the dumb ass, just literally baseless complaints. Like, I didn't like the movie, but I'm not gonna you know grab my pitchfork for right. these social justice warrior people like it's it's like you no matter what you do some demographic or some group is gonna be mad and now they have twitter as like a as like a gathering yeah, place so like much. it becomes their complaints become more visible so like i think it's best just to kind of tune that out because mm-hmm. it's just always some kind of complaint about gender politics or identity politics or or, or yeah, on either side, really. Yeah. Now more than ever, I'd say too. That's the crazy yeah. part. We'll get over it. It'll 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 pass. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens with Jurassic World three, Jurassic Park six, whatever they end up calling yeah. that. I'm, I'm sure it'll be Jurassic World, and insert subtitle here. But um, it'll you know, and they, Jurassic makes, World Extinction. <laughs> maybe there you go. Be it? What do you want to? Yeah, something like that. Something I, cool. I, I just hope that it gives a sense of finality to at least this trilogy. Even though yeah. I know Universal has basically, I think, this and Fast and Furious, and those are their big franchises. So if this one and the next one make hundreds of millions of dollars or hit a billion or whatever, uh, I think that they're definitely going to want to continue the story in some way, shape, or form. So hopefully, at least, with it'll, it, you know, all I'm really hoping for is a conclusion to the Claire and Owen part of this this story that they've been telling. Um, and that it doesn't just continue on and on and on and on because there's nothing I love more than like a than a really good trilogy of films that whether yeah. you feel uh, you know a progression from one step to the next and an actual ending, not that it's just well and maybe another one we'll see what happens. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for with the next one. It'll be interesting to see where they take it now that the dinosaurs are literally roaming free, um, and you know the mosasaur in the it's swimming in the ocean there is is really. Uh, is really creepy. So it's it, there's a lot of potential. Is, yeah. is my point. So excited cool. to see that. Yeah, I'm glad we kind of both enjoyed it and felt similarly about it. Like I, I feel like I'm glad that we were able to discuss some of the in between and not result to extremes. Because again, like I, I think there's a lot of issues, but there's also a lot of good. And to harp on one just kind of gets exhausting because mm-hmm. it's 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 worth recognizing that there is nuance and not everything has to be amazing or horrible. You know, there, there is some kind of compromise that you can come to. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, we could use more of that kind of, uh, understanding communication about movies online <laughs> instead of like, if instead of like you right. say one negative thing, like, Oh, it's the worst thing ever. Or the best thing is like, <laughs> Hey, let's meet in the middle. That's art is subjective, Certainly. you know? Certainly. So uh, I guess that's all we have for now. If you like what we're doing here on the Crooked Table podcast, please consider, consider contributing to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash crooked table. You can also rate and review the show on iTunes to help others find us. You can find me, Robert Dennis Jr. on Twitter at Crooked Table. Adam, where can people find you online? Ooh, um, at Adam Beanard, like B-N-A-R-D. Just uh, take out the A-R in my name. Um, so yeah, I'm on Twitter and, and Instagram there. And also Screen Fever, uh, which is on YouTube or at Real Screen Fever on Twitter. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, 
on Screen Fever and YouTube. Adam and I actually did a couple of discussions uh, together. And yeah, uh, yeah there's, super a lot, fun there's a lot of stuff to talk about lately, though. That's the that's the fun part of this. It's just every day there's another crazy uh, entertainment news story that needs to that, you know, it's exciting to uh, to connect to talk about that. So. Of course, you can find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies at crookedtable.com. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, I've been Rob. Adam, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was super fun, and I'm glad we got to discuss this movie because I've been looking forward to it for, for quite some time. Excellent. So we'll catch you around the table next week. Roll credits. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the